0: The Lord calls us to worship this morning from the book of Psalms, chapter 111. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. He has given food to those who fear Him. He will ever be mindful of His covenant. He has declared to His people the power of His works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of the Lord are verity and justice. All His precepts are sure. They stand forever and ever and are done in truth and righteousness. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day of life that you have given us to gather as your people on this special day of the week to come and give praise and honor and glory to you. Lord, we proclaim that you are the one true God and there is no other. It is by your hands that the worlds were made and that we were created to bring glory and honor to you. And Lord, we pray that you would be with us today mightily by your spirit, that you would fill each of us that we might... Hear and behold and believe the gospel. As we hear the words of life, Lord, I pray that they would feed our souls. Meet with us as your people. And Lord, we pray now, joining our hearts together, to pray to you the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father,
1: who art in heaven,
0: hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as, as we forgive our debtors. And, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Provide us the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning for our confession of faith, uh, if you'd like to turn in the green hymnal to page 845, we're going to recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is a statement of faith about what you believe. So I'm going to begin by asking you, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. (coughs) Hear these words of assurance from the book of Psalms, chapter 86. Beginning in verse 8. Among the gods there is none like you, O Lord. Nor are there any works like your works. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wonderful things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your mercy toward me. Amen. As we continue to worship, turn in your hymnal to page 660. We're going to sing the hymn, O God Beyond All Praising. May be seated and the children can come forward at this time for the children's sermon. Good morning, boys and girls. Good morning, it's good to see you all. I want to ask you if you remember something that we did together last Sunday for those of you who were here. Does anybody remember what we did with our hands? Yeah we, we, yeah, we did the church. Could you guys put your churches up again? So, we're going to talk about something else today regarding our churches. You remember last week we said that we believed in the Holy Catholic Church. The This is the church universal, not the church, the Roman Catholic Church. That people in all ages and all times, people that look different than you, that have different color skin than you, that maybe even speak a different language than you, are part of the church triumphant that the Lord Jesus came and died for. Today we're going to talk about the communion of the saints. And this isn't communion that we do every other month. This is special communion. So take your churches, and we said this is the church and the steeple, and open it up, and there's the the people. And who does the Bible say fills the hearts of God's people? Who fills the hearts of God's people who believe in Him?
1: The Holy Spirit.
0: Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, fills the hearts of His people. And the promise and blessing and the statement of faith that we make when we say on Sunday mornings, I believe in the communion of the saints, there is a special blessing by God's Spirit for the people in your churches because God the Holy Spirit fills them that they would love one another and have sweet fellowship together. We sing that when we sing the hymn, The Church is One Foundation. We sing a line that says, Blessed, sweet communion. And what we're confessing when we say that is, that by God's power, in a way that we can't see or understand, if I look at you, or you look at me, I can't see the Holy Spirit in you. And I maybe wouldn't even choose to to be your friend or you be mine if it weren't for God knitting us together by His love, by His Spirit. But because we believe He has, That means that you are special to me and that I should be special to you in a way different than any other relationship in the world. We're not family by blood, but we're family because the Lord Jesus has placed us together. So I should love you and appreciate you and want the best for you because you belong to God and I belong to Him. That means that I belong to you. That is an amazing, wonderful thing. And one of the things that we should think about when we think about church is those people. We go to church because we want to worship God, but we also go because we've committed to one another, to love one another, to treat each other like brothers and sisters in the best sense. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word and what we confess on Sunday mornings here together, not just words that we say, but words that we believe. Lord, I pray that you would help even our young people, our covenant children, To know what it means to enjoy the communion of the saints. That as we gather on Sunday morning, we are more than just different families coming in the same room. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom he died for. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit. I pray for our covenant children here, that they would know what it means to enjoy the blessed, sweet communion of loving brothers and sisters. And preferring them, and taking care of them, and looking out for their best interests. Lord, I thank you that you died to purchase the church and that you rose victoriously to one day take us home to be with you forever. And we look for that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Each Sunday morning I say thank you after the children's sermon. and Some Sundays there's no response and this morning I got a few reluctant. You're welcome. <laughs> Just never know what might be said. This morning for our responsive reading, we're going to read Psalm 94. It's on page 818 in the green hymnal. Ninety-four. I'll begin with the light portion. Please respond out loud together with the bold. O Lord, the God who avenges, O God who avenges, shine forth. How long will the wicked, O Lord? How long will the wicked be jubilant?
1: They pour out arrogant words. All
0: the evil. They crush your people, O oh Lord. They oppress your inheritance. They save the widow and the They, the they say the Lord does not see.
1: God Jacob pays
0: no heed. Take heed, you senseless ones among the people. You fools, when will you become wise?
1: The ear, not
0: Does he who disciplines nations not punish? Does he who teaches man lack knowledge?
1: The Lord knows the thoughts of man. He knows that they are evil.
0: Blessed is the man you discipline, O Lord, the man you teach from your law. You grant him relief from days of trouble, so give his love for
1: the wicked.
0: For the Lord will not reject his people, he will never forsake his inheritance. Judgment will again be founded on righteousness, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who will rise up for me against the wicked? Who will take a stand for me against evildoers? Unless the Lord had given me
1: help, I would soon have loiled in silence of death.
0: When I said, my foot is slipping, your love, O Lord, supported me.
1: Amen brought joy to
0: my soul. Can a corrupt throne be allied with you, one that brings on misery by its decrees? But the Lord has become my fortress, and my God the rock in whom I take refuge. stand together now and sing hymn number 599, Savior, Like a Shepherd, Lead Us. Time this morning, I wanted to uh, pray specifically for our families here at Lebanon, uh, specifically for um, a few things for each of us uh, that the Lord would, in his kindness, deal faithfully with us as he always had in years past. Uh, we, The last few weeks in Sunday school, in adult Sunday school, have been going through uh, the story in Genesis about Joseph and his brothers, and I was particularly struck myself this morning with uh, how the Lord deals in kindness with us, even in our sinfulness. Even in the ways that we are not faithful to Him, He is faithful to us. And even when we're not faithful to one another, He is faithful to us. So I wanted to pray for the Lord's encouragement for our families today, and that the Lord would meet our needs, that He would encourage us to remember that He is the faithful God who is a family God and takes care of us. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for these quiet moments every Sunday morning that we come to You in prayer. That we come to You with the thoughts and petitions of our hearts. Things that race through our mind over the last week and things that we carry with us even into worship this morning. And for many of us, our families are a cause of rejoicing and blessing. And they remind us of Your goodness to us. And yet there are some of us, even here this morning and those who are not here, that family is a cause for deep and significant and lasting pain and struggle. And Lord, there are days that are better than others, but some are filled with strife and we are worn out by it. Lord, we confess before you that it is our sinfulness first that is the greatest threat to our relationships and our families and not someone else's. Lord, we confess to you that apart from your grace, our families would be in shambles. And we cry out to you today, Lord, that you would work mightily in our families as we experience joy and love, true love for one another. May we be reminded of your great love for us in Jesus Christ, who came and died on the cross for our sins, that we might be your sons and daughters. And Lord, I pray for families as we some of us go through difficult times in our church family here. I pray, Lord, that you would be the one who carries us and that we would know it. And as we just sang, Lord, we pray like a shepherd that you would lead our hearts, lead our families, lead our children. Lord, we pray. As we talked this morning in the children's sermon about the blessed communion of the saints. Lord, I pray for our covenant children that they would grow up to know the greatest friendships and joys in the church. Lord, I pray that uh, you would cause all of us to not take one another for granted. What a, a beautiful picture of your love for the bride of Christ that we love one another and lay down our lives for one another. Lord, I pray for those who grieve family members who are not with them today and those who they will not be able to see until we are in glory together. Lord, I pray for those in our church family who are struggling and suffering because of anxiety or depression or difficulty that just seems to mount up day after day and one thing after another. Lord, I pray that you would be near to us, that we would not forget your promises And know that you do not forget your promises. And as we just recited together, that you do not forsake your people. You do not leave us alone. You don't leave us as orphans in this world. Lord, I thank you for the the safety that we enjoy in this country. And I do pray, Lord, lifting up our leaders to you. That they would lead in righteousness and truth. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in their hearts that they can't understand or explain. But they would lead and honor you. Lord, we do cry out to you for mercy on your people and in this great nation that we live in. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to uh, the book of Psalms, to chapter 23. Today we are beginning a new series entitled The Good Shepherd, and we will be studying Psalm 23 uh, here in the fall, and going through this psalm verse by verse and phrase by phrase. Our plan is right now to study until sometime around mid-November, looking at this psalm, The Good Shepherd. Psalm 23, this is the word of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. This is the living, true, timeless Word of the living God. These are not words that merely some man wrote down. These are the words of the Good Shepherd to his sheep. These words are familiar. It's one of the most well-known beloved passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. It is one of the most recited, most read, most sung, most prayed, and most studied passages in the Scriptures. And as we closely look at each verse each week between now and maybe the middle of November. I hope that you will see and underline and mark and take notes about truths to learn or maybe perhaps to relearn. Promises that are for you, God's children, in His Word that you would lay hold of. There's courage for you to cling to. Real spiritual food to eat. A pilgrim road to notice and to walk on as God's children. A Savior In the Lord Jesus for you to treasure and a heavenly home for you to long for with sincere hope. And if we're to long for a home that is not here, we must not have our hearts fancied by the things that are here. We will not long for heaven if we are satisfied here on earth. This morning we're going to look only at verse 1 and only the first part of verse 1. And I pray that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, would guide our hearts into the truth and help us this morning to savor the Word of God that all of us should know this morning that you had a divine appointment by your Heavenly Father to be here at Lebanon today with Him in His Word. And He welcomes you with these words from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 29. You are not here by mistake this morning. And it's not because there was nothing else to do. You're here because the living God brought you here. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 29. I pray this morning that our good and faithful shepherd will lead you Gently and lovingly into his presence as we look at his word today. So, the sermon this morning is entitled The Lord is My Shepherd, and we're going to look at that phrase in verse one. And I want to answer a few questions this morning. Number one, who is the Lord? Number two, what does the shepherd do? And lastly, why does this matter today? Number one, who is the shepherd? Well, we need to begin on the right foot. Anytime we come to the Bible, we need to understand that how we approach the Bible, how we approach the living God matters. And I want to ask you, as you read the Bible, is it a resource? Somewhere that you go to get advice, maybe you lean on several different things as you think about making decisions or how to live your life. Is it a resource where you get advice or is the Bible an authority for you? Is is it something that has the final say for how you live? Or is it something that you go to, to to mix one idea with another? Is the Bible a place where you get answers that you go to for help and for comfort? Or do you go to the Scriptures to get God Himself, to be reconciled to Him, to receive the pardon that only He can offer? And to look forward to a home one day in heaven where we will be with Him forever, apart from sin, apart from difficulty, apart from pain, and apart from death. Do we go to the Scriptures to get God Himself? I want to share a quote with you from a book entitled Center Church. This is about the Bible and the authority of the Scriptures. It says If the Bible is seen as a fallible product of human culture, then we are locked in an endless interpretive circle that goes back and forth between our culture and the Bible. In this view, the Bible and culture are equally authoritative, which is to say equally relative. Thus, we may use the Bible to correct culture, but we can also use the culture to argue that parts of the Bible are now obsolete. The writer goes on to say this is why, for example, some mainline denominations, churches, use the Bible to denounce various forms of economic injustice in the U.S., but at the same time, they insist that what the Bible teaches about sex and gender is oppressive and dated. If we state that what the Bible says here is true, but what the Bible says over there is regressive and outdated, we have absolutized our culture and given it final authority over the Bible. Here at Lebanon, we don't believe that's the case. The Bible is the final authority. Our, our own feelings can't be on the same level as the Scripture's. Or even our experience or how we understand them. We must come to the Lord as the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. In my Bible, the word Lord is in all caps. That's significant. We will look at that in, in several ways. Who is the Lord? There is a two-fold answer to this question. The psalm does not say, God is my shepherd. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. This is in the English, the best English translation. For the covenant name of God. Sometimes you see it in the Bible. Jehovah. This is the the covenant keeping. Covenant making God. Who is the Lord? Number one. He is unimaginably majestic. He is God. It reflects his eternity. And his power. When you see this name in the Bible. It is the one seated on the throne. The one who created all things. It says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. We don't believe that to be a poetic statement of how everything fell into being in the world that we live in. We believe that a thoughtful, intentional, all-powerful God made all things. And then in Psalm 115, verse 3, But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever He pleases. There is nothing outside His authority, and nothing holds back His power. And yet... I've told you it was a twofold answer. Who is the Lord? The shockingly condescending God that we serve. And condescending is usually a negative word. But in our holy religion, in the doctrines of our holy religion, God's condescension is something that we cannot explain. It suggests his love and his care. To call God the Lord is to say that he is my Savior. He is the one who cares for me. So to say the Lord is my shepherd is a personal relationship. In Psalm 86 verse 5 it says, For you, Lord, are good, ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to those who call upon you. This is not a God who is aloof or far away or who did everything and now is angry because His creation sins. This is a God who runs after His children. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. Psalm 116, verse 5. Think of these ideas put together. This majestic God and this shockingly condescending God who would come into our world. It is encapsulated in the words in Isaiah 6, verse 1, where the prophet said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, sitting on a throne. And the train of His robe." filled the temple. And the prophet Isaiah was trying to find words to explain what it was that his eyes were seeing. The human brain is quick and fast, but he could not put into words. He said the train of his robe filled the temple. And he was on that throne. And he said, I am a man of unclean lips, for I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and I am undone. So when we confess together, the Lord is my shepherd, When you can say those words, you know that it is the living God who cares for you. And it is the God who comes to you and says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden with sin, with trying to please me, with trying to earn a place at my table. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. What does the shepherd do? Number two. In our confession, we we say, how does Jesus function as a king for us? Our Confession, Shorter Catechism, says in question number 26, it answers by saying that He is a king for us by subduing us to Himself, by ruling us and defending us from our enemies, by restraining and conquering all of our enemies. This is our great God. This is what He does for you. Do you believe life is out of control? That things are just hitting you? One thing after another. And before you can deal with one, there's another at your doorstep. And it's not a small thing. It's a huge thing. And it weighs on you. It keeps you up at night. It takes joy out of life. It it ruins meals. Do you believe that life is running out of control? The Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd. This is a richly theological image. What does the shepherd do? This image describes His power and His might, but it also describes incredible intimacy and knowledge of His people. The shepherd had to know the sheep in in that trade. In the Old Testament, kings were portrayed as shepherds. They were responsible to rule over God's people. They had authority. They were to make decisions, but they were also responsible for the people. They were to have God's heart for His people, to love them and care for them and provide for them, to keep enemies away, to think of their best first. They were to serve this way. What does the shepherd do? To describe God as a shepherd is to portray Him as a royal figure, one who is kingly and stately, sitting upon a throne with dignity and honor, who subdues His enemies and draws His people to Himself. Do you cry out to the Lord? In Psalm 80 verse 1 it says, O shepherd of Israel, hear us. In Psalm 100 verse 3 it says, We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. And what is interesting about this image of the Lord being our shepherd, the Lord being our King, the one who guides us and rules us and protects us, is that this is a confession we make with our words together. God is our King. But what is interesting is what is normally a communal thing where everyone confesses it together that we as the church enjoy God being our shepherd. But what the psalmist is saying is that that same God who shepherds all of us as His people is the God who shepherds me. The one on the throne loves me. He cares for me. He's with me. He guides me. Psalm 121 verse 4. He who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He watches over his people. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade at your right hand. The Lord shall preserve you from evil. He shall preserve your soul. Psalm 121 verse 7. What is it that the shepherd does? What is his work? He is and He delivers His people. This image is intensified in God's work on behalf of His people. As we look in the Bible and we see how God works and He extends the arm of salvation to take care of His people, we see some things about who He is and how He works to deliver His children. Do you believe that He's working in your life today? Can you say, the Lord is my shepherd and I delight in following Him? In Exodus chapter 3, you might remember the story. Moses is sent by God to go and deliver the children of Israel out of the oppressive land of Egypt. And Moses says, well, I'm not really good with speaking. I don't do great talking to other people. And when they ask me, who is it that sent you? Who is his name? How am I supposed to answer, Lord? And God responds and says, I am who I am. I am the God who has been faithful to your family for all generations. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I have heard the cries of my children and I will not wait any longer. I will go and get them. And Moses, I'm sending you. Go and get my people. In Exodus chapter 6, he repeats his covenant name and he promises to act in a decisive way on behalf of his people. He tells them, After saying His covenant name again, He says, I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will take you to be My people. I will be your God. I will bring you back into the land. I know you can't see it now. You only know oppression and heartache and disappointment and separation. But I will give you the land as a possession. What He was promising for His people was not simply a part of of the land of Canaan. He was promising them an eternal home in heaven forever. Do you feel unsettled here, dear believer? Do you feel like you're not at home? That anywhere you go, you may experience a bit of happiness and a bit of joy, but there is something missing. C.S. Lewis said that if that is true for you, then it must mean that we were made for somewhere else. And you were, dear believer. This is not home. Your shepherd did not bring you here to leave you here. He brought you here that you would bring glory to Him wherever He puts you and that one day He will take you home to be with Him in heaven forever and you will never be separated from your Savior. What He is saying and how He spoke to Moses when He said, I am who I am, it's somewhat like writing a blank check and signing your name at the bottom. He's saying, I am whatever My people need for Me to be. And our first and our greatest need as children of the living God, is to be saved from our sins. He says, I am the good shepherd in the book of John. I lay down my life for the sheep. Do you trust and know a Savior who laid down His life for you, that you could be forgiven of your sins and that He would run after you day after day after day? Though you do not trust Him, though you walk away from His ways, though you set His Word down and walk away and don't pray, do you know that He is chasing you? I don't mean that He's chasing you because He can't catch you. I mean chasing you because He wants you to be satisfied in Him. Our first and greatest need is to be saved from our sins. If you close in with Him, the Lord Jesus, as your Good Shepherd, as your surety, you will never be forsaken. Do you believe that? We read those words this morning in Psalm 94. The Lord does not forsake his own. Jesus cried out in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now you can answer. As a child of the living God, you know the answer to that question. Jesus wasn't asking a question he didn't know the answer to, but do you know the answer to that question? Why did God forsake the Son? You can answer out loud in confidence and say, It's me. It's me. It was for me that my Savior was forsaken by His Father so that He could bring me into the family. Have you ever had to take one of your children kicking and screaming into the store? There are some of us who have come into the kingdom that way, but the Father does not let us go. And He holds us. Though we are rebellious and though we are wayward. He holds you like a shepherd. Do you believe that? Or do you believe that the sum of your life is nothing more than the result of the good choices that you have made and the mistakes that you have kept from making? Or do you believe that the Savior is leading you like a shepherd, as we sang? I want to ask you this morning, why does this matter? Why does it matter today that the Lord is my shepherd? Why does it matter that you should have that as a testimony of your heart? How should this challenge you? How should this statement of faith that David wrote, how should it direct your heart? I think in two ways. Number one is trust. Our proper response is to trust. This psalm gives us the imagery of resting and waiting upon the Lord in his ways and in his timing he will do all that he desires to accomplish for you do you believe that do you believe that the good shepherd is leading your life does this kind of rest and trust and just satisfied waiting on his time does it characterize your heart or do you struggle with needing control are you anxious with everything, even the little things, that nothing is going the way I want it to in my life and I can't seem to get a grip of it and I am losing it? Or are you resting in the grip of your Savior who does not let you go? Do you know that you can let go and that He will hold you? That is the point of why Peter was able to stand on the water. As he looked at Jesus by faith, Jesus held him there. Some of us thrash on the water because we don't want to be held. We'd rather do it ourselves. I'd rather be in charge and be in control. Trusting is too difficult and I'd rather walk away from it. Why does this matter today? Why does it matter today that the Lord is my shepherd? I told you two reasons. And the second is this. Your identity. Dear child of God. We... Are who he says we are? Do you know that who you think you are, broken, incomplete, sinful, unhealthy, alone, that that's not who you are? Do you know that who you see in the mirror and who you think you know you are is not you? He says that you are his people, the sheep of his pasture. He calls you beloved. He says, you are the redeemed. You are sons and daughters of the living God, that that's true of you. And why do we doubt that? And why is it that it seems everyone around us is running in this world trying to figure out, who am I? And because Our culture, by and large, has written God off as the one who defines who people are. We are running to any and everything. Tell me who I am. And yet God's Word says, the Lord is my shepherd, and that settles it. Our heart should stay there. Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you trust with faith like a little child that the Lord cares for you, that He watches over you, that He guides your family, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. I want to ask you this morning is what God says enough? Do you have a constant need to be validated by other people, by what they think? Will they like me? Will they not? Do they love me today? Will they not? Do you always have to save face? you always have to have an answer when someone says something? Well, this is the reason why I did it. Or this is why I couldn't show up. Or this is why I can't do it. You don't have to have an answer to your child of God. You don't. Can you never be wrong? Can you never be corrected? Is it your reputation that's at stake when questions are asked? If you have to build your own identity, dear ones, then all of those things will crush you Your successes will go to your heart. Your failures will crush your heart. But if the Lord is your shepherd, if He is the King of your life and He's the one guiding you, then even if I walk into difficulty, as we will see later in this psalm, He is the one who is with me and He's holding me. And dear ones, as you pray for your families, as you pray for your children, even your adult children, these words are true for them too. Dear faithful parents and grandparents, these words are true. The Lord Jesus loves your children more than you ever could. And He's guiding them. And He works through generations of people to bring Himself glory. I know we only went through part of verse 1 this morning, but it is good to see and to look and meditate on the goodness of God. The Lord is my shepherd And our hearts should be thinking and breaking for others who don't know this to be true. So I want to ask you this morning, is the Lord your shepherd? Do you know this to be true? Or are you going through life on your own and just on your own good graces that you're a good enough person? Or are you following the shepherd and is he leading you? And do you desire the green pastures that he gives? Or are you hoping for something else? One of the beauties of this psalm is that it is the Lord's presence and His trust that we should have. And as we get to the second half of this psalm, the psalmist changes his tone. He's no longer talking about the Lord. He's talking to the Lord. Not only is the the Lord the one who guides us, but later in the psalm, He's the one that is our host. Think of Jesus with the disciples. He took off the towel from around His waist, and He washed their feet, and He served them. At the Last Supper, He was the one who did all of it. And what do we anticipate every Sunday? We anticipate that great day when we will be with Him in heaven forever at the wedding supper of the Lamb when He decides and He will feed us and we will be sustained. I pray for your hearts, dear ones, as we go through this psalm together, that you would be encouraged to know there is nothing that you go through that doesn't come through His hands, good or bad. And He is the one who holds you. He is your good shepherd, your king. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word that it is true and sure and right. Lord, I pray that You would work this truth of Your Word into our souls, that we would believe it. Help us, Lord, to wake up where we are sleepy in our faith. And Lord, I pray that You would help us not to come to You because we believe that we're good enough to be there in Your presence, because we're not. We come to You by faith because Jesus suffered on our behalf. He took the punishment for our sins upon Him so that He could say the words, I am the Good Shepherd. The sheep know My voice and they come to Me. He said He laid down His life for us willingly. Lord, I pray that we would hide in the shadow of Your wings. That we would trust You. That we would see our identity is in you and not in anything else, even ourselves. And Lord, I pray this would be, by your Spirit, what settles our hearts. Lord, help us not to be satisfied with the things of this world. The momentary, quick things that might bring joy or delight. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be satisfied in you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we continue to worship. We're going to sing together uh, hymn number 87, The Lord's My Shepherd, I'll Not Want. take an offering to the glory of God. dedicate now these tithes and offerings for your name alone. We dedicate them to you for the sake of your glory and the spread of the name of Jesus and the spread of the gospel throughout the world. Lord, we pray that you would use our obedience in this to bring joy and delight in you, that it is you who provides for our families. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, for your faithfulness to this church, and may we continue to walk in your ways. on Friday at 6 here at the church. And please remember the Wilkes family as they have Miss Helen's funeral today at 3 p.m. at Salem. Receive the benediction of our Lord. Now may the God who never abandons you and never lets go of you go before you in your darkness, stand beside you in your fears, and make you faithful in your temptations until Jesus comes again. Amen.